0: Hey, this is Jamie and this is Heather and you are listening to Soul Archaeology. Um, Today we're talking, we're going to roll it back a little bit. We're going to talk about what it's like to awaken. How do you know when you're awakening? What are you experiencing when you awaken? And for those of you who have been on the path a while, uh, we're going to need you to ride with us on this one and we'll be interested to hear what you think about what our experiences were and what your experiences were. Where do they match up? Where do they not? But before we get started, I'd just like to wish everyone, even though by the time you hear this, it won't be Maybon today we are recording on (laughs) Maybon, the second harvest, fall equinox for us here in the United States and spring equinox for the other hemisphere. And so it's a magical day and hopefully that will
1: give way to a magical podcast. It is without a doubt. My favorite holiday right up next to Halloween slash Salon. Halloween. Like this is, this is my, this is my day. This is my, okay. It is crisp outside. It is not like there's still some light, but it's not like obtrusive light. Everything just feels like it is started to slow down just enough to where I can take a breath and I can relax, and I want to smell all the apple things, <laughs> and I want to hear crunchy leaves, and that's hard to do when you're in Southern California. You find a way. You yeah. find a way. Um, but yeah, this is this is like my favorite, and I was telling Heather before we started that I was uh, partially awoken this morning by quite possibly the largest murder of crows <laughs> ever. Ever. Um, sitting across the way in our apartment complex. And yeah, they were having a ridiculously good time this morning. It yeah. was kind of silly.
0: And, <laughs> you know, now that we're talking about this in this context, um, you should have known that you'd get cold last night. Because that's that's oh, that's, that's Maybon's present to you. You got cold, you couldn't sleep because you didn't have enough blankets. Well, that was Maybon saying it's time to prepare for the darker season, it's time to prepare mm-hmm. for winter.
1: And uh yeah, you needed to go find a blanket. And I guess this is actually kind of the perfect segue into this. Um, because I know for me, my turn from the belief system that I had growing up into the belief system that I started to evolve into and adopt and adapt as I became a teenager was really due to the fact that I was very much into the natural progress of things. I was very much into... um that kind of, you know, being more aware of the seasons and how it changed things and how it changed us. And it seemed like I had a much greater pull towards honoring that than I did a lot of the traditional um, beliefs that I grew up with, which my household was mainly a I would say a a non-denominational Christian household for the most part. Um, We really didn't do a lot outside of like holiday uh, worship, if you will, um, as far as like going to church and things like that. Like when we'd go to visit other family members, we would on major holidays, we would, but it wasn't until I became like maybe 13, 14 that all of a sudden like it took a turn and it was like, okay, now we're gonna go. Um, like for for a while, my dad adopted uh Seventh day Adventist, so we went every Saturday. Oh. And I hated that. Oh. Um that was like, this feels weird. This goes against everything that like I had initially grew up with. Like, why are we all of a sudden going on Saturdays? I don't understand this.
0: And what um, was
1: the impetus for that? He had friends that uh that were Seventh-day Adventists, and Mm -hmm. that was just kind of, like, the thing. All of a sudden, it was like, let's get some more religion in this household, and I'm like, okay. And then I had quite a big group of friends that were um, very religious in high school, and I think the thing that started to turn it for me was when that group of friends started to grow, And it became more clicky and it became more clicky in a way where they started to judge each other's like their, their commitment to their beliefs. And it's like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me, actually. It's like, I'm down with like this much of it. But I don't get the, you know, it's like then all of a sudden, like the normal group of people that I would hang out with, all of a sudden I had from this other very clicky group of friends, it's like, oh, you probably shouldn't hang out with so-and-so because I've heard X, Y, and Z. And it's like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Jesus like go out and like hang with the lepers and the prostitutes (laughs) and stuff? Hang with the lepers. (laughs) Like, if yeah like isn't, them, it, what like, <laughs> like isn't it all about love and like just meeting people where they're at and things like that like only I only those who are deemed worthy jamie i so that was kind of where i started to take the term and i was like mm, you know i don't i don't like this i don't like you I'm, i'm not gonna go out and hand out little pamphlet this was this was kind of like the the cutoff the grand cutoff for me was when they wanted me to instead of enjoying halloween they wanted me to go out and pass out those little pamphlets <laughs> that was like satan is in your candy no uh, sort of oh, things and no. i'm like i'm i'm not doing this this is ridiculous you guys wow. i'm sorry It's my favorite holiday and I'm not giving that up. And there is no Satan in my candy. And it has nothing to do with with dressing up and going door to door. This is a community building event. I'm sorry. This is the time that I get to go and like, you know, say hi to my neighbors. And I'm like, you're not taking my fall away from me. When they tried to take my fall away from me, I was like, Nope, I'm out. Sorry. (laughs) Big no hard pass. Um, and that's when I really started looking at it's like, well, you know. What would have what would have been in place of before all of this kind of more um, fanatical generated hoopla became a thing? What would it have been before? And it always kind of fascinated me to think, you know, everybody has a pagan ancestor. I'm sorry, (laughs) I don't care what kind of background you have. Um, Everybody has. A rustic, because that's really what that word means. Um it it just referred to the the farm folk, the the woodland folk, the folk that didn't, you know, necessarily have uh I'm not gonna say didn't have structure to their lives. Of course they had structure to their lives, but they they weren't a part of a a bigger faction group that had um you know so many things laid out for them they were they were just the regular townspeople in most places. so when I started to think about that, it was like those are the people that I identify with i'm i'm the i'm I'm the highfalutin you know of course, as I grew up in and, and did my ancestry, <laughs> that's not necessarily true. I have a lot of highfalutin people in my ancestry. Um, But I thought that that was much more, I don't know, it just suited me better. The whole concept of just going out and taking a look around at your, your surroundings and gathering inspiration from your surroundings. and Uh, celebrating the changes of the season and what that brings, and what that brings in your life, and how that, uh, you know, just folds into your everyday life. It was a much more, uh, it was much easier to do a daily practice with that and celebrate that daily than it was to turn to a hard and fast book of scriptures and try to find the thing that related, especially when it is such a crazy conglomerate of of different stories not that i don't think there aren't some really interesting stories and lessons within the bible i I definitely think there are but um i i feel like i was yearning for that connection to earth and to you know just the the plugging into what the normal changes were on a daily basis like that i don't know that appealed to me more yeah and i know it was a little bit different for you because your your family was definitely a whole lot more open than Yeah, i come from Carney folk i know i come from
0: Carney folk so <laughs> i i was... a lot more loosey-goosey <laughs> yeah a lot more loosey-goosey um it's not exactly true. I came, both my parents were actors. And then my mom became a makeup artist. My dad arguably remained an actor. Um, and growing up, I asked a lot of questions about religion because I was always in a religious school. And that's only because the private schools around here are all it's some kind of religion. So grade school, Lutheran, and then high school, Catholic. And so growing up, Um, I was just always interested in why people were doing it because to me, it seemed like a lot of work. (laughs) I was like, why are they going to all this trouble? Like, you know, because my dad's side of the family is Jewish. So I was already Mm -hmm. aware at a young age, even before I started going to the religious schools, I was always, always already aware that religious people did a lot of things. And there Mm -hmm. was a lot, there was an energy of, it has to be this way in order to be correct which never resonated with me. Not ever. I was like, but um, because I was born creative. And I think there was just a a part of me that knew that you were here to create. And Mm -hmm. everything about religion says it's not your job to create. It's your job to listen and follow and do this, the way we say. Exactly right. Or God will smite you. That's the energy that I always picked up, even though no one ever said that. And, you know, to be clear, my father's family is not like that religiously, you know, but they're, they are much more along the lines of truly appreciating the beauty in ritual. It just happens Mm -hmm. to be Jewish tradition, ritual. However, there was a lot of tension between my father, who was, as you put it, the rustic, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And his parents who wanted me to have a proper Jewish upbringing. That's where the rigidity energy came in. And um, my mom and dad were like, well, sorry about it. That's not, you know, necessarily in the works. They tried. Um, They tried to put me in some, it's still just down the street, some Torah school some Jewish school I don't even know what it's called I'm such a fucking you going to Hebrew school I, yes Hebrew school thank you I'm such a heathen <laughs> um and they tried to put me in there and it was sort of like I remember it to this day they had everyone it, wow that was so inappropriate I can't even say it um they had everyone file into this room and they were it was like they were trying to make it They were putting on a show for the parents, essentially. Mm -hmm. And my little brain was like, they're putting on a show for the parents. When my parents leave me here, I'm going to be in trouble. I didn't feel good about it. I felt like I was going to have to be Jewish. (laughs) And whatever that looked like is what I was going to have to look like. And I didn't want it. And um, so I – but I was a very polite child, unlike now. And I sat there through their presentation. I think finger puppets were involved. It was some sort of Bible story. I don't remember what it was because I just kept, I remember looking around at the children's faces and trying to see what they were doing, thinking, was mm-hmm. I the only one who thought this was absolutely insane? You know, this it wasn't enjoyable. And the parents were all standing around the perimeter. And the energy of the parents was like, so. it was so thick with discernment, but not their own discernment. The discernment that religion had given them throughout the years. Are they telling the story correctly? Are they going to teach my child the proper way to be a Jew? And I was like, this is horrible. Please don't make me go there. And afterwards, I remember we had a talk and they're like, so what did you think? I was like, it felt fake and it felt oppressive and I don't want to go there. And they were like, enough said. I was like, thank God. (laughs) So from there, it was Lutheran school. So, yes, to say they were loosey-goosey, that is accurate. And um, Lutheran school is much more agreeable, even though the Jesus lessons made me giggle, um, because I just thought it was silly. I thought a lot of what they believed was so – it's like adults will tell you when you're little, don't believe in fairy tales. And then they'll sit here ramming Jesus down your throat. Not that Jesus wasn't a thing. Not that there wasn't truth in the Bible. But – The way they believe it, the way it has been manipulated throughout the years, if that doesn't have an element of fairy tale to it, I don't know what fucking does. And so the hypocrisy, I was always aware of the hypocrisy. And in the meantime, I wasn't, you know, my parents weren't, they didn't care about the religious aspect of school and they always made me aware of that. They're like, you get to believe whatever you want to believe because and i so i was like mom what is what does this mean what what are we religiously because there was always some sort of box that was asking you that that you had to check the box and she's like check agnostic and i'm like what is agnostic (laughs) and she's like well it means that we don't really subscribe to any particular religion and i was like oh okay so that's where i fit in quote unquote right um and it never really was a problem for me because I was always – from as far back as I can remember, I was always fascinated by ghosts, fascinated by psychic phenomenon, fascinated by ESP, fascinated by Zener cards, um, and I wanted to know more about that. I My parents mentioned Edgar Cayce, the Sleeping Prophet, once, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> When was he a prophet and when did he sleep? How did this work? What happened? He's like, oh, my dad was like, oh, there's books on it. And I was like, I need books on Edgar (laughs) Casey. I like to read. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, can I be a sleeping prophet? So the writing was on the wall from a very young age. There was not going to be any traditional organized religion for this chica. She was on the
1: road to, hey, let's talk about ghosts. And lo and behold, she does that to this day. And I think that was probably another clincher for me as well, growing up and being sensitive and having that not be a thing that you talk about in your household. <laughs> right. Um, You know, always put that, I always had this looming thing over my head that felt like, you know, you're wrong or you have something to atone for because you have this thing that you can do and it's not right because, you know, because it's not and then i and then as i got older i'm like but clearly there are people who did that because it's in the bible so it's in the bible but it's wrong like i, I i'm sorry i don't understand your guys' rules your rules are funky because first you say you can't do this and then i read that in the bible and then you're like oh well that's an exception to the rule and it's like well well then what is what am i what am i <laughs> am I an exception to the rule? Am I not an exception to the rule? Am I, you know, am I bad? Am I good? Am I, I don't know what I am. Do I have to shove it away in a closet? And for a long time I did. And it, it festered. And by the time I was 15, I was like, I, I felt like I was having a mental breakdown because my empathic nature had grown so much that I spent, you know, half my days just, weeping uncontrollably for reasons that I could not understand because I did not know that I was picking up on everybody and everything around me. And just, you know, it's like my mom would come into my room and go, are you okay? What's wrong? Who did something to you? And it's like, no one. it's like, what are you crying about? I don't know. And it's like, you know, and it, and You know, bless her. My my boss, my first mentor, Suze, was the first person looked at me like, honey, you are not crazy. You're just you're an empath. Let me explain this to you. And I was like, I felt such a sense of relief that there was a name, a word, a something that I could point to and go that now I don't feel so crazy and somebody else knows about it. So clearly I'm not alone. Because I felt really alone in my household, I felt really separated, and I think those are the kinds of things that will kickstart your awakening journey faster than anything else. Feeling I disagree. like you're separate.
0: Well, feeling, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the thing that kickstarts your journey is that that moment that turns everything upside down. I think everybody has that moment, whether it is as simple as just a realization that you've been possibly doing it wrong, or life actually completely, it's a tower moment. Yeah, I've I've witnessed both. And I don't, the the thing I was going to bring up while you were talking, I was thinking about how, I'm sure there are people out there who may hear this one day and think, oh my God, like I, I've never even thought about ghosts or I've never really mm-hmm. believed in any of that hoopla. Um, I've never been into the woo-woo. And we started, we really started there. I mean, my it yeah. goes way back for me and, and you always had a, a notion until you decided you were going to buck the system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, however, that was not my awakening. That, that was not, my yeah, beliefs same. were still... Within the confines, to a degree, of normality, in comparison to the social norm, I was still within acceptable limits. I was just maybe slightly eccentric, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I was, I was mildly different. Um, it was acceptable. There wasn't. It wasn't going to divide anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I went through a, the complete, <clears throat> the tower crumbled for me or rather for my family, but not for me. And I really think that the delay in my awakening, cause I didn't start waking up until, I don't know, when did, when, I don't remember time. Time is weird. <laughs> Several <laughs> yeah. years ago, it's only been like maybe eight years, you know? It hasn't been Mm -hmm. that long. Um, And I was so busy taking care of everybody else Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that I didn't – I wasn't in any danger of awakening because awakening is about me. Awakening is about you. It's about that person. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't paying attention to me. I was paying attention to first – You know, keeping my family together, and then when it was clear that my family was not going to stay together, I was busy defending against this and making sure this happened, and I was literally like the last link holding my life together, and my life was desperately trying to fall apart and was going to do so no matter how strong I thought I was.
1: You're too busy building your safety raft to be concerned. Well, not even building
0: it. I was too busy trying to keep it together with a piece of twine and my fingers. (laughs) That's what I was doing. I wasn't building it. My safety raft was like, bye. And I was like, no, <laughs> I will keep you under me. And I was holding on to a toothpick at the end. And mm-hmm. all of that distracted me completely from realizing that this was all leading to a huge awakening. And sadly, and cliche enough, my awakening was catalyzed by a breakup. And I reacted to this breakup like my heart shattered into pieces so small they could pass through the eye of a needle. Thank you, Knight's Tale. And I did not know how to cope. And that's when Jamie took me to a full moon ritual. And I spent the entire time in that ritual crying while I was talking to people like nothing was wrong. Like I was Mm -hmm. talking to people and I was, I was passing along. By this time, we had already started ghost hunting or we had been ghost hunting for quite a while and actually had stopped by that point because it was affecting Jamie adversely. Mm-hmm. And so we had, I had already started to tap into those psychic qualities within myself. And I was at this full moon ritual talking to people, made one amazing friend that night I was giving these messages from her ancestors. I didn't know where this was coming from. I didn't know I was crying. All I knew is that I couldn't stop crying the whole time. And that was how I awakened. It was very specific. It was very concise. Um, I, it was the moment I woke up to the fact that this horrible event in my life that I didn't know how to emotionally cope with was designed to break me into pieces. That was the but point, point Huh? To unlock you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really was a complete dismemberment. Finally. I had mm-hmm. fought the dismemberment by holding on to those toothpicks of my life raft. And <entimes> when I finally, when I that breakup came, as it, it, such a shock to me that when it happened, of course, the reason I was so upset was because I thought, oh my God, this is the best I've ever felt in a relationship. If this doesn't work out, what what hope is there for me? and the hope is bitch <laughs> that you'll wake up and stop trying to fit in to other people's templates and mm-hmm. if if that doesn't tear you apart nothing will
1: yeah and and that's really the big the big key the the big key is it's an unlocking of you for the for the most part as as we go through life, when we're younger, when we're growing up, everybody kind of sets things out for us the same way that your, your parents used to set out your clothes for you in the morning when you were in kindergarten and say, here, this is what you were going to wear. Things get dictated to you and they just get dictated to you over and over and over again until you reach a point where you're like, wait a second, do I identify with the things that people are laying out for me? Or do I identify with something else? Does this still mean something to me? Or am I yearning for something more? Do I even know who I am? Or what I am? Like, is it actually my choice? Or is it someone else's choice that they've just kind of, you know, this this layer that's been laid over me, that really isn't authentic? Um, that's, and for me, it did start at 15. It was at 15 at that moment when, when my lovely mentor said, you're an empath, that something clicked and something snapped open and that transformation started. It was a slow (laughs) transformation. (laughs) And for some people it's like, oh my God, (laughs) everything's changed. Like I I did a thing and snap and, and you're like shot out of a cannon. That process still takes a while, but the beginning feels like I've been shot out of a cannon. Mine did not feel like I had been shot out of a cannon. Mine felt like somebody simultaneously pulled the rug out from underneath my feet and then put a couch underneath me. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> I both, you know, at the same time, couldn't stand for a second and then had a much nicer place to fall into. And then it just kind of kept evolving. But as you start this process, there's all of these crazy things that start happening because you start listening to conversations differently. People around you start, you all of a sudden start to go, am I still comfortable around this person? their beliefs and their ideals and and how they live their lives. Does that make me uncomfortable? Why does that make me uncomfortable? What is it about it that that like unnerves me a little bit? And it starts to create this sort of anxiety around am I ever going to fit in anywhere ever again? And that's really that like you have to get to that point of it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I don't fit in anywhere. I, I need to fit into me first. <laughs> if I'm not fitting with my soul, with, you know, everything that's inside of me, then then it doesn't matter if I click with anybody else outside of me. The exterior is just a reflection of, of whatever I'm going through. So, but you got to get to that point.
0: And, well, and from and from that point, it just continues to be that point over and over, over in again. different ways, yeah. because you don't realize it's it's you've been so indoctrinated into fitting in in on every level that you don't even realize
1: mm-hmm.
0: where where it exists and where it might not exist. It exists on every level. So just because you make the decision that um, you know, oh. Um, my family thinks tarot is devil's magic, but I'm going to sneak these tarot cards anyway. And you feel Mm -hmm. like you're breaking a rule. So that's one level. Then all of a sudden you decide you're going to let your family know you're going to come out of the broom closet as it were. And you're going to let your family know that you're doing this tarot and whatever rituals have come along with it as you've grown more confident in your practice and you've evolved it. And, um, And so you let your family know, and then you go through that part of testing the boundaries of fitting in. Like, what does it feel like to not fit in? And I find that most of the time, these steps we take, and this isn't true, you know, completely for everybody, but I think most of the time, the thing that we've been avoiding, once we actually do it, the response is, not what we expected. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot gentler and kinder and more understanding. There are those people who have very rigid, for instance, parents who do not accept that Mm -hmm. in any way. But again, that is the awakening way of freeing yourself to be yourself and finding people who accept you for who you are, how you are and what you are. And that's the process over and over and over again. It's it's simple and incredibly complicated all at once, <laughs> but it'll never be different than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's interesting as it goes too, because if I think back to where I started when I was 15 up till now, um, the evolution continues. You know, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people have this idea that, oh, you're giving up something to latch on to something else and that's not necessarily true I think there might be a bit of a transference in the beginning because you're looking for that kind of structure again because for a while it feels weird not to have it so you're like where else can I where else can I gain that kind of structure, but it's different enough to where I don't feel like I'm doing exactly what I did before. And you, you have to go through a lot of, you you kind of have to weed through a lot and then you start picking, you know, well, well, what really does resonate with me? And then you start realizing, well, I'm going to continue to grow through this process. So, and it's up to me. So I get to choose what I align with and what I don't align with. Like it, it was very interesting for me because, you know, in the beginning, I very much aligned with, um with a very basic pagan, uh just like general belief set, which really revolves heavily around um you know based on nature and very basic principles as above so below um you know do no harm there's you know and it's all very it's it's not what i think most people think it, it that just that word alone i think conjures up so many scary things and people who are from in like, the word p- pagan. Yeah, from from uh, like if, if you're if you were indoctrinated into one of the five basic big religions, I think that that's all it takes. You hear that word and it's like, nope. Turn to the channel, <laughs> turn it off. Nope, 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 nope. And I always thought that was very interesting that people have such that visceral reaction to it. It's like, look, if one little word can shake you so much to the core then maybe your belief is not as strong as you thought it was. If simply hanging around someone or sitting next to someone who has a belief that's different from you challenges you so much, then maybe your belief is not what you thought it was. Um, I always thought it was very interesting. It's like, I can sit next to a Christian. It doesn't bother me. I can sit next to a Jewish person. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I love diving in to the historical aspects of all religions. I love learning about all religions and seeing where they they interweave. And that's the one thing that I think I, I would love it if that's if if most people would take the time to really learn about especially like the other big religions and we're we're talking about um Christianity, Judaism, Islam, um Buddhist, but Buddhist isn't strictly a religion, it's more of a philosophy. And I forgot what the what is the fifth? I'm missing one. I'd love and to jump to, in here, but nope. And it's, going it's going to brain. drive me it's going to drive me crazy. Um <laughs> that it's not coming up for me. But I'm sure others out there will will know what I'm missing and will pop in there. Hey Maybe but,
0: someone will finally comment. Right? <laughs> you miss
1: this religion. How dare you? You <laughs> left me out. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there are so many different interesting interweavings and it's so easy once you take the step back to see where they all intersect and to see how they're really all just saying the same thing over and over and over again in slightly different ways and then they break off and they have as it's like as people took that basic concept and then decided that they wanted to tweak it a little bit that's where you get further and further away from what the actual basic um belief set is and i really yearned for that basic belief set in everything that i studied it's like take all of this other stuff all these other layers off because this is just a personal preference and that's fine if that's your personal preference and that's fine but don't take that and turn it around and make it a but this is how you have to do it yeah it's when it becomes dogma yeah exactly that that drives me insane that i can't that i cannot take but and that makes perfect sense because that was
0: your creative soul yeah telling you that you came here to create So that's the same message that I was receiving was it just the dogma is where it goes wrong. That's where you are then subscribing to someone else's distortions. You aren't subscribing to the truth anymore. It only becomes the truth once you adopt it as your own. But it is an affectation at the end of the day. It is not your soul's true creative path. And awakening is there to free you to your soul's true creative path because we were all put here individually to create the world that we wanted to experiment with, that we wanted to play with. And religion takes that play away. You don't get that play. That play is for God.
1: Well, and it continues to drive a separation under the false pretenses that it's bringing everybody together. It's yeah. really not. It's it's, that's, it's not a message of unity. It's a <laughs> it's a message of, but that person over there doesn't believe in what you believe. And so they're wrong and they're going to hell. Right. You know, and, and in a lot of instances, not in every instance, but in a lot of instances. and. <clears throat> And I never subscribed to that. I think I always, had, I always had an understanding, even before I really could wrap my head around it, I always had some sort of understanding that my soul had lived a lot of previous experiences and that those previous experiences had different belief systems. And that if one was true, then they all had to be true. And that that was all valid, that all of those experiences were valid. And so even now, it's like, I like to study it because I see all of these little different sections of my soul that had been there before and that had studied that before. And it's interesting to me to go, that's, you know, that's, I, I feel that like, I have a reverence for that thing, even though I might not follow a full a full religion, I can appreciate all of these different portions of different religions um, and not necessarily sub- subscribe to the religion itself but its traditions and some of its um, tenets or 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 rituals or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, because you're uh, free but- to play with the beauty exactly. that, that it offers. Exactly. And, yeah. And that's that's the key. That's I really think that's what awakening is, is it's freeing you up to play with all of the creative fodder that we've created on this planet. Because mm-hmm. that's all we're doing is we're creating fodder <laughs> for future creation. That's all we're doing constantly. We're basically just a compost bin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's But I find it so interesting that people can get so caught up in it and I feel really bad when I see people who are you know like just in those beginning throws and they're so unsure of what direction they should go because they're like well I don't want to break you know I don't want to break grandma's heart because you know they're strict fill in the blank and you know i'm pretty sure it would just kill her to know if that i was not practicing what i grew up to practice and it's like well you know there's there's always going to be that moment of shock and maybe a little bit of disappointment but you know if they love you they love you and they're going to love you anyway or you have family like mine who you can continually gently start to lay the foundation down and they just are you know they just turn a deaf ear and choose to absolutely not have any sort of like recollection of what you said or that like they completely just tune it out Yeah, the denial is strong in your bloodline. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they, they completely tune it out. We can even have really enlightened conversations occasionally where it feels like, oh, I think they're like grabbing onto this a little bit and they're like understanding. And then like, you know, two days later, it's like they'll say something and it's like, oh, okay, well. That went in one ear and completely out the other.
0: I think I it's, it's, okay. it's a perpetual situation of
1: five more minutes, mom. <laughs> I don't, don't want to wake up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's fine. It may not be your time. This may not be the go around for you to where that happens. That might happen on another go around. Um, but it the, the anxiety is definitely a real thing. And. You know, if if there is anything that I could say to help people move through that anxiety, I would say that the thing that you have to keep leaning on and remembering is that that this life is your life. This is is, it's really completely about you. You know, I I know we like to say it's not all about you. It really is all about you. And whatever you choose to do or not to do and how you handle each situation is really going to continue to shape your exterior world. So whatever um, anxiety you might have, I think just keep turning inward and really ask yourself what? what is this particular anxiety about? What is it that I feel like, is it like a FOMO? If you're giving up, you know, am I giving up something that helps me relate to my family and friends? And now we're taking this away. Fear of missing out. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know are do I have a fear of missing out because I'm not going to be a part of this particular thing anymore you know if i if I don't participate in these particular family traditions if I don't participate um you know in uh in in Wednesday night Bible studies anymore am I going to lose those friends am I going to you know the there it's it's a real thing and i because I work for quite a while at a metaphysical business where we held, um, you know, open space for for rituals at least once a month for full moons, I would see people coming in all the time who were like right on that precipice of you know this really speaks to me, but I don't know if I can continue because I feel like it's alienating me from my family and my friend group, and I've it's all it always makes me so sad because I know there's such an anxiety that builds and it's and it's a real thing and it's completely valid, but at the same time, it's like you have to ask yourself, well, but that is that really your group? I mean of course, your family is your family, and you're going to have to figure out a way to to work through that but that that also is presenting you with well, you have things to work through here if you feel like the religion is going to tear you away from your family. That means that there are other portions of your family relationship and dynamics that needs to be worked on if the religion is the only glue that's holding it together. Uh, same way with the friend group. It's like, well, if that's the only glue that's holding you together, then maybe that's not really your group, or maybe they were just there to support you for a time, but now it's time to move on and explore other options and other avenues. And I think you just have to, you have to work through it slowly and you have to keep coming back to yourself in every turn and be true to yourself.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing, when you are When you are struggling to figure out what true to yourself looks like, what true to yourself means, you are on a journey and you are challenging the illusion of love in favor of seeking what it means to truly be loved. Because Mm -hmm. if you have been fronting with all of these ideas, ideals, if you've been trying your damnedest to please people and fit in, and you're getting exhausted, it's because you are, stre- you are hanging on to that life raft. You are clinging to those toothpicks, hoping they will keep you afloat in the water. Because what you're experiencing is not a loss of love. What you're experiencing is a loss of the illusion of love. Because yeah. if they don't know who you are, they, don't, they can't love you. Well, I know. they will
1: not accept who you are becoming because growth is, well, is a part of life.
0: Yeah. And that, well, that's what I was getting to, though, is that you nine times out of 10, they will accept who you are, at least eventually. It may not feel that way in the moment, but eventually people come around because people do. <laughs> um, but the truth of the matter is, is that you cannot experience love until you know what it is to love yourself. And you can't love yourself if you're so busy hiding yourself from everyone else because it means you don't even know who yourself is. That's why it's so scary, this awakening process. That's where the anxiety truly comes from because we are buying into a false narrative that tells us we need to be a certain way in order to receive what we think we need. And awakening is here to tell you, hey, that's all an illusion. That's not true. But that's a really thin Thread to hold on to, yeah, because it feels like if that thread breaks, then I have nothing nothing I've lost the illusion of love because it was good enough for me up until this point. Why'd I have to go mess with it? Why'd I have to fuck everything up? you know mm-hmm. um, just for the possibility that I could actually receive love without feeling this tightness in my chest without feeling like I can't do certain things that I really want to do because they're unacceptable. Yeah. That that sounds like a huge gamble. And all I can say is as someone who's been going through the process for years now, it, it's not a huge gamble. You're going to be fine. That everything you think you're losing needs to be shed in order to get to the meat of who you are and who you came to be and what you came to do. And that as you shed those things, you are going to feel the loss. You are going to grieve your losses. It's going to be sad at times, but you will always be provided with more resources because that's the blueprint. That is the blueprint on every level. You will always be provided with more resources. True.
1: And I have I have grown to understand and appreciate that a wider circle, a bigger circle is, is not always necessary. Like as I've gone through this process, I've adapted and adopted a lot of uh, realizations and beliefs that have surprised even me. Things that I'm like, eh, I don't think I'm really into that. Because the further you go, the the more doors open, the more the more you're you're cracked open, the more you learn. Well, I kind of have to accept that if I accept this over here, then I kind of have to accept this and this too as a possibility in this world. And your circle might get smaller and smaller and smaller, but to that, I'd say you know, quality over quantity at that point. Yeah. Yeah. you know do you want a bunch of fake friends do you want a bunch of you know like everybody's hi and then turns around it's like did you hear what <laughs> you, you know i would rather not have that i would rather eliminate that from my life and go okay well there's you know there's six more people off my friends list uh i would rather gain two Really solid friends that I can go to and go, you know what? This is going to sound crazy, but here's what I'm like grappling with this week and have them go, ah, okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. I would rather have that than the illusion of, of friends who are really, you know, just, uh, barely acquaintances. You know that really don't care to know me in a way that's that's good for my soul
0: well, and having said that, I think there are a lot of people out there who are on the cusp of awakening, and the thing that's stopping them is they have a story that those people won't want to know them on a true level mm-hmm. um, and it's because part of the handshake with Fitting in means not showing the ways in which you're hurting. It means it means making making everybody think everything's fine, and that puts someone in a, a state where they start to believe that no one can see them. This mm-hmm. is again goes back to that handshake with invisibility. We create it ourselves. We create our own invisibility. And the question is, how are you creating your invisibility? If you are showing up to these relationships, presenting a certain aspect of you as the entirety of you, then you have agreed to withhold from those people and you're not giving them the chance because you're afraid to be vulnerable enough to give them the chance. And if you're not giving them the chance to say whether or not they will accept this, these other parts of you.
1: Then you don't get the right to tell the story that they won't like you that way. Oh, one hundred percent. And we started out that way. I hid parts of myself because it feels Which weird. Which is why I didn't to like walk into <laughs> a professional situation I, because we knew I, our, we knew each other initially from work and go, yeah. And and yeah. and I wasn't and sure. how hey, I can you. speak to dead people. That you know that feels weird. Well, and it I wasn't sure while. I wanted, I wanted to be friends with
0: you because I was like, no, she's like, she's like, she's withholding. Like there's all, all I picked up on was insecurity and I didn't know what the insecurity was regarding.
1: Oh, and I was like,
0: needs. oh yeah, <laughs> right. And I was like, oh no, because here's what I knew about myself is that I am, um, I pull people out of their shells. I'm a fixer. And there was a part of me that I hadn't quite consciously connected to that was like, you're tired of doing that though. Can mm-hmm. we, like, not collect another sheep, please? You mm-hmm. really – like, it's time for you to start looking for people who can stand on their own two feet. Mm-hmm. And so when I was hit with that insecurity energy, I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. No. And then you slowly started to come out of your shell. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's what she's insecure about? Oh, no. No, no, no. This is the
1: basis of our friendship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is why we will be friends. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you never know when that's going to happen. You never know when that's going to be the case and you got to give it a chance. You do have to really give it the chance to, to flourish. You have to give people the chance to accept you. And you never know what other people are hiding in their closet. You know, it's like you coming out and saying, Hey, I think, I think I'm growing. I think I'm changing. I think my belief is changing and I think I accept this this and this now um or I want to explore this this and this at least and it's it's not about like you know nobody said you know tear down your your house of beliefs and go build another one you know 3 miles down the road because it's more like no I need to take the time to explore and figure out what that's going to be you don't have to jump from one thing into another thing and you can identify with some things that maybe a spiritual teacher says and not everything you can and then you can take those beliefs and you can change them again you have free will for a reason you get to choose whatever you would like to choose and and
0: and while you're doing that or something to help you do that You have to stay mindful of your belief system when it comes to punishment, because that's Mm -hmm. another thing we've all been indoctrinated into is the belief that if we don't do something right, we will be punished. And as a result of that, we have taken the uh, natural consequences that come of our actions and we have applied, if I do not like what happens to me, I'm being punished. And that's not true. There is no punishment in the natural world it is just energy. It is just an expression of energy and it is not done to you and it is not done to keep you in line. A natural consequence is just a result of your actions. And the the more that we can be conscious of the idea that we're not being punished, the more freedom we have to start playing with the different ways we can express ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I
0: can't. I can't. Ex- I can't emphasize it enough that there is no such thing as punishment. Yeah, and I know that there will be some people out there who do not believe me, and I
1: promise you, it is your programming. Yeah, it it, it really is, and it's and it's hard. It's hard to explain that to people, especially you know if you've if you've had some really rough circumstances in your life, if you've had. Some really distorted relationships with people if you've undergone any type of abuse. If you've experienced a narcissist. (laughs) um, You know, it's, it's really difficult to hear those words because what it feels like is I chose that for myself. Yeah. And you did choose it for yourself, but... The caveat to that is you chose it because it was going to open up a new road for you. It was going to open up another portion of yourself that's locked away, maybe a portion of yourself that um, wants to serve others in a particular way to help them go through some of the things that you went through. or. To really help to open your heart more and to build compassion um, and to see things from a different perspective. It's all about backing up far enough to see a picture that includes things that you couldn't have possibly seen in that moment whenever that thing that you deemed horrible was happening to you. You don't get to see what built up from the other side that led to those actions. And it doesn't mean that those actions were okay or that the abuse against you was okay or that the actions against you were okay. It's not about making those things okay. It's about seeing what the bigger picture was. We're all God, how do you even say it? It's like, I I always turn back to nature and I look at like things like the the redwood forest. If it wasn't for hundreds of years of horrible fires, burning trees down, we wouldn't have them because it literally takes fire to open the seeds to grow those big, beautiful trees. You know, natural disasters lead to some of the most amazingly beautiful um national parks (laughs) that we have or or world wonders it's if those things didn't happen we wouldn't have those things that we appreciate we often don't think about what caused them we think about how amazing the end result is and it's hard to picture that for ourselves in our own situations. It's hard to think about that breakup that I went through that was so devastating, that tore me up into so many pieces, led to this portion of me growing and accepting myself more. And through accepting myself more and loving myself more, I could finally, you know, see things in others that I wouldn't have ever seen before, because I wasn't open to seeing it in myself. How could I? So, you know, that's that is a really really hard thing to go through. Um that for me, I know took years and years and years. And years and years and years, and I'm still uncovering pieces of that. It's it's shrapnel that is buried so deep within you that every time you go through a bit more of that self-awakening process, you find more little bits and pieces that you're just tweezering out, and going, "Oh wow, I didn't realize that was in there. Crazy! Well, let's put that over here, and now we're right. aware, and now that wound can heal." It's it's a constant process, um, but it's, it's a rewarding. It's picking out splinters. You know, process. those, those yeah.
0: that raft that I was holding on to in the beginning of the conversation that turned into toothpicks that I was grasping for, then eventually you end up pulling out splinters. Yeah. you You come, once you accept the fact that your raft is being taken away, it's disintegrating, it can no longer support you in your journey, and you let it go, you realize that after all of that holding on and clinging to it, you have so many splinters to take care of. And that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like when you're finally on the path and you finally accepted that and you finally started being vulnerable and showing your true self to the people around you.
1: That's what exposes all of the splinters. And really that anxiety, once you get really down to it, is just you shaking your part yourself apart and that. That. Energy of these two things that have been fighting against each other all of this time the authentic self and the self that was basically the shell that was put upon you are breaking apart. And there is an anxiety that's caused by the energy, just the sheer energy of these two things ripping apart. It's like that's that is an upheaval. And that upheaval creates a particular energy that just leans itself to that kind of anxiety. But the other thing that I like to put in there is at the same time, know that anxiety and excitement are very close cousins. They are a very similar frequency. And some of what you might be feeling maybe anxiety is really excitement for finding finally the pieces of you who want to be seen that need to come out that need to connect and that are eventually going to create a support system and help in unifying the people around you more than you are going to separate the people uh, around you.
0: And on top of that, I would say that anxiety and excitement are exactly the same. There is no difference between them except for your perception of them. Yeah. Anxiety is just another word for excitement. It just is a word that tells us we have a negative viewpoint, a negative perspective over what Mm -hmm. we're feeling as opposed to a positive one. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, all it's doing is quantifying the judgment you've placed on the energy you're feeling. That's it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which I've never really thought of before, but of course, now that I'm saying it's like, well, duh, of course, all our language is literally just judgment. When you remove the judgment from the energy that you're feeling, it's just energy. And so Mm -hmm. what we do and what we've been trained to do as humans on this planet is to judge the energy. And so if we don't like what we're feeling, it's anxiety. If we do like what we're feeling, it's excitement. Mm-hmm. So if you can work on your perspective and shift your perspective, honestly shift it, not just bypass what you're actually experiencing, but if you can honestly shift your your uh, perspective, then you will start to see the scales tip in favor of excitement because your your own judgment will have shifted in favor of excitement. Like when someone tells me that uh, that everything's falling apart, I tell them, ooh, that's exciting because uh-huh. and it's not it's not patronizing, and it's not um to goad them into something. It's literally me thinking, "Wow, if something's falling apart, that means the universe is like you're ready for something new uh-huh. and my perspective has shifted to the point where I'm like instantly the first thing I think of is a new way to play, Mhm-." Uh-huh. I've connected with my inner child and all she wants to do is play. And so when I look at a situation, I think, how playful can I be with the situation? Like, what can I learn? What does it have to teach me? Let's find out. And everything's just an adventure, you know? that doesn't happen all the time. Of course, I still have triggers. and I <laughs> I come into situations where I'm like, no, no, I don't know. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound playful at all. That sounds horrible. But that again, I'm aware now that that is my judgment of the situation. And also, it may not be true.
1: Exactly. and And I guess that's another good thing to bring up is that, you know, just because you shift your your belief system doesn't mean that it solves all of your problems. it doesn't it's it's still another way to help you work through the issues that you discover one step at a time. And I know um, for me, just going back to what you were just saying, for me, I find that my perspective shifts greatly when I turn it around, and commit more to myself when i make a commitment to myself it immediately changes my perspective and i'll use my surgery as as an example right before surgery i was of course anxious and nervous because a lot of things can happen in a surgery you're not guaranteed any specific outcome um But right before I went in, I kind of, you know, had that moment with myself where I said, but it doesn't matter because this is a commitment that you're making to you. And this is why you're doing this. This is the biggest self. This is the biggest act of self-love you have committed yourself to up to this point. And that's why it's going to work. And that's why you're going to be okay you are protected. It's, it's going to be fine. And that really gave me such a beautiful sense of peace going into it. Um, that I don't think I would have had, had I not gone there for myself, had I not, um, had I not just put that out there. So Mm -hmm. I have found and this is more of a recent thing, really. Too is the the more that I kind of turn it around and go, okay, well, if you're doing this for you, then how does that make you feel? You know, are you are you still good, or does it make you feel uneasy, uncomfortable? If if it makes me feel uneasy, uncomfortable after I've done that then I have to like put it aside and go, hmm, that might be something that we need to ruminate on a little bit more because obviously there's still something there that's unresolved. But for the most part, if I turn it around and decide, okay, we're going to look at this through the through the lens of, of a commitment to you, to your authenticity, to your health, to your mental well-being, to your physical well-being, fill in the blank, whatever it is that that that, that perspective is going to do for you put that lens over it and then ask yourself how do i feel about it if it's if it's not directly helping you in any way then you know then again that might be the thing to re-examine just yeah. My thoughts. yeah
0: good times good times
1: yeah well, this obviously conversation, we've done the thing. Totally <laughs> done, we totally have done the thing. It didn't exactly go where I thought it was going to go, but I like where it went. Good. This is, this is a, you know, we don't always get to have these kinds of conversations. I I think we don't always get the opportunity to like roll the dial back because we're so far down the road that sometimes we forget, oh yeah, this is what it's like in the beginning when mm-hmm. you're going through all of this and it's, and it's scary and you have freak outs and you don't know what to do and you have, you know, transference of, of, you know, like transference of the dogma where you're, you know, maybe instead of, uh, putting all your faith in, in a priest or a preacher or whatever, you're putting all of your energy and, You know, and commitment into a particular guru. You know, there's all of these little things that you go through in the process that just creep up and bring up so much that it's it's nice to have these kinds of conversations where we do get to go back and kind of talk about that. So, I yeah, and I
0: think that I think that your original concept for this discussion today, the reason it didn't look like that is because we're no longer in a place where we can deny our experiences, uh, that didn't come out right. We aren't in a place where we can deny our experiences and we've had so many experiences and we've worked through so much stuff that we're not meant to come at this subject from the place we would have even a year ago. Yeah, true. We would have to deny everything that we've experienced since then, and that's just not possible. And It's probably not what people need to hear, even though we would like to tell people you're going to be okay, you're going to make it through, you'll feel really anxious, you might feel weird time slips. I think there are plenty of people out there talking about it, Mm
1: -hmm. and the
0: only thing we have to offer that hasn't already been offered is our very own perspective, which comes from where we are. It just, where are we at the moment? That's all we can offer. And so whoever's meant to hear this, I'm sure that it'll
1: be what they need to hear. Yeah. That just seems to be the way it works. <laughs> True. True. And uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I am, like I said, this morning I woke up and I was like, yay, fall. So <laughs> I am definitely feeling awesome about going into fall and talking about all the things that fall brings up like shadow work and ghosts and all the fun gifts that different individuals have and how you connect and how you receive and yeah that sort of thing because it's coming because there's no way that you just can't talk about that and heather is giving me weird face
0: I, I couldn't hear you for a minute. And I was like,
1: where did she go? We're so close to finishing. No, no, nope, nothing. Nothing went out on my end. It may have just been okay, good. Okay. Good. On your end.
0: All right. Well, I mean, if things are going to get fickle, let's end the show because I'm now I'm freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Technology. Right, says It's time to stop. Um, check us out on our social media platforms. We're on everything. And, uh, Yeah. And uh, yeah, whatever. We have a meetup on Saturday. It's cool. It's fun. We always talk about cool stuff and we can answer questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that is on um, why am I totally can't think of the word. I am (laughs) having such, this is, yo, this is a part of having weight loss surgery. I am two weeks out. Uh thank you for everybody who sent Well Wishes. I really appreciate it. Um recovery is going great. It's just very slow. And part of it is complete brain fog sometimes because my intake is not a whole lot. It is Discord. Discord is that thing that we meet on. Right, right. Day. Oh, that's
0: what you were thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Discord. <laughs> Every time we release a show, we do a Discord meetup so that we can talk to people, answer questions, hear what's going on in your life, catch a vibe. I don't know. It's fun. Come talk to us. We'll say stuff. You'll say stuff. It'll be a thing.
1: Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Woo. <laughs> Bye.